Would you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2? We'll be looking at verses 41 to 52 this morning. I want to thank our worship team for leading us. And if you didn't recognize this gentleman over here, uh, Bob Genheimer, uh, all the way from Botswana, uh, come to play guitar this morning. So it's good to see you, Bob. All right. Today we're going to look at a very interesting passage in Scripture. It's a story from Jesus' childhood. I was looking back, I don't think I have uh, spoken on this passage before uh, that I can recall in my time here as we go through Luke. There's some new areas of, of this book that we have not covered before, and I just found this to be a very interesting story from Jesus' life. So let me read it for you, and then we'll move into the text. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. And thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. They went down to Nazareth with them, or then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word this morning, thank you for the truth that it contains. And thank you for the way that it speaks to our life, to our families, to our relationship with our children as parents, and to many different practical areas like that. And so, Father, I pray that as we look to your word this morning, you would guide us and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. It is interesting to think about memories that we have of childhood. I know for all of us, if we were to ask what are some of the earliest stories you remember, there are certain events that you can go back to that you've probably thought of at many times in your life. For me, one of those early memories comes when I was about five or six years old, can't say exactly, but it was a time that I got lost, and it was at our county fair in the town of Warren, it was the Marshall County Fair that took place there. And Warren is not a big town, it's about 2,000 people, or it was at that time. And uh, the county fair, though, was a big deal. It was in the middle of summer when farmers had a little bit more time and they would all come back and everybody came in to see the exhibits and the animals, the crops, the uh, farm machinery that was there, as well as the kind of shows they had or the midway. But most of all, it seemed to be kind of a social gathering. People got together with neighbors and friends and were able to have some good food and enjoy a chance to talk. 
Well, I can remember in my mind just the details of this, that on a like Friday evening, we're going to the fair, we pull in and we park next to the machinery row that's on one side and the, all the animal barns are on the other side, you know, and our family would go and we'd make our route through all of these different exhibits. And I can remember, you know, we crossed and we looked at the machinery and I loved that as a kid, looking and climbing on all the new equipment that was out there the tractors and the combines and other things. And then uh, we stopped, my dad bought me some popcorn and we made our way into the midway and they were kind of socializing and talking with other people. And I'm just chomping away on my popcorn as a kid, you know, just enjoying this. And then all of a sudden I look around and I see all these legs and I don't recognize any of them. You know, when you're a little kid like this and you're in a big crowd, it's kind of what you see is you just see the legs of the people around you and I thought, I don't see dad, I don't see my mom, I don't see my sister. And so I didn't panic, but I thought in my mind, what I'm gonna do is I'll, I'll just retrace my steps and go back to the car. So that's what I did, walk back down through the midway, across the machinery row, back to where our car was parked. Uh, as a little kid, we had at that time a 58 Oldsmobile, one of those boxy cars if you're a car guy. It was red and white. It was kind of stood out. It was a neat looking car. But being small, I had to set my popcorn down on the hood so I could use both hands to push the button to open the door and to get inside. In those days, nobody locked their car. I mean, you just left it open. It wasn't a big deal. And so I go in and I sit down in the front seat in that area and I'm just eating my popcorn and waiting. Figured this way they can't leave without me. I'm in the car. <laughs> well, it wasn't too long before I saw the two eyes of my sister peering in through the window and uh, I was found. And I felt very good to see her and to be reunited again. Well, I think about that and I wonder, well, what did I learn from that experience? One of the things I learned is that I need to stay close to my father. I need to keep my eyes on him. We're going to look at a story today where Jesus wanted to be close to his father. In a humorous way, I also learned some things that, you know, I've always had a good sense of direction, you know, and kind of how to find my way and those kind of things. And I have always loved popcorn, still do to this day. But the story we're going to look at this morning is the only story we have in Scripture from Jesus' childhood. That's kind of interesting. There are apocryphal stories that are told about Jesus as a child in books like the Infancy Gospel of Thomas. But again, these are apocryphal stories. They're not, they're not true. They're not ones that you can count on. Some of these stories are fanciful. Some of them are are malevolent. They are not scripture. And I mention them because there are times when adults may hear about the Gnostic Gospels or students go away to the university and they hear about these things and they go, hey, my church never told me anything about this. You know, are these things true or not? And they may be confused. Well, no, they are not true. And they were written most likely to satisfy people's curiosity about Jesus and what he was like as a child. And it was a way to sell books just like people do today. One of the stories found also in the Quran 
shows Jesus as a child making birds out of clay and then bringing them to life, and they fly off, you know? And so people thought, well, that was an interesting story. But there's another story from the infancy gospel of Thomas where Jesus cursed a child for accidentally bumping in, into him, and he turned him into a corpse. You know, that's not exactly a nice picture of Jesus, is it? And another story shows Jesus resurrecting a man who fell from a roof, trying to say that he used his power as a child to do miracles. But those are apocryphal. They are not the stories that we can base our confidence in. They were written long after the other Gospels were written, and we should not put our trust and confidence in them. Instead, we come to this story, selected out of all the different examples in Jesus' life that could have been told. It is like Luke is sitting down with Mary, and he is saying, Mary, if there is one story that stands out in your mind about Jesus as a child, what would it be? Well, this is that story. And what does it reveal about Jesus? Number one, Jesus grew up in a devout Jewish family. And we see that clearly here in this example, where Luke tells us that every year his parents went to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. In the law, it was required that every male was to attend the three main festivals in Jerusalem. That's a big commitment. I mean, if you live a long ways away, over 100 miles away, and you have to travel to Jerusalem three times a year, that is a significant commitment. And over time, the families who lived at a great distance, if they came to those feasts at all, they came to Passover. That was the one that was most significant when families would gather to celebrate the Passover, this great act of redemption that God had accomplished in the Exodus. Mary wasn't required to attend, but she came too, which shows their devotion as a family. And it tells us here that Jesus was 12 years old at this time when they came up to the feast. And that that was according to the custom. What do they mean by that? Well, at age 13, a Jewish boy would become a son of the commandment or a son of the covenant. It's the time when they would be recognized as an adult. That they would be accountable before God for their relationship. No longer under their parents in that way. But now they were to give an account to God for their own relationship with him. It's like the Jewish bar mitzvah today. It was a special celebration. And according to this custom, at age 13, well, according to this custom, uh, they were to go up one or two years before so that the boy could be instructed. So here is Jesus. They have brought him to the temple to learn some things that he needs to know in order to be accountable in his relationship with God. Kind of an interesting concept when you think of who Jesus is. But what we see here is that Jesus loved it so much that he did not want to leave. And when the time came for the family to go home, Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph. Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary. 
At that time, people traveled in caravans. They had come down as family and friends from the north, from Galilee. They had come down to Jerusalem to celebrate. They traveled in caravans because it was safer. There was protection in numbers. And when they did that, sometimes the men and the women would split up and the women would be with the children and they'd be talking as they were walking and the men would be having their conversation and the older boys would be there. And Jesus is kind of in this in-between age. And so they're probably very likely thinking, well, Jesus must be with Mary or Jesus must be with Joseph. And it wasn't until the end of that first day that they realized that he was missing. It was when they were setting up camp, if you will, and getting ready for the night that they realized Jesus wasn't there. And so the text tells us that after three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers. Three days doesn't mean that they were looking around Jerusalem for three days. It means that the first day was the day out, and then they realized he was gone. It would take them a day to get back, and then on that third day is when they found Jesus in the temple. And they were amazed. They wondered about Jesus and what he was doing there. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But one of the things I want to say about Mary and Joseph here and their devotion to the Lord was that Mary and Joseph played an important role in the shaping of Jesus' faith. They taught him the scriptures. They prayed for him. They brought him to the temple in obedience to God's word. And as parents, we are given a great privilege and responsibility to teach our children, to teach them the scriptures, to pray for them, and to bring them to church. That is a responsibility that we have. And we can't overstate the importance of that and of your own example as parents in teaching your children. And men, that is especially true of fathers. You know, we have seen the studies, Josh McDowell talked about this when he was here at our church too, that it is the example of the father more than anything else that affects the future attendance and observance of a child. If a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful the mother is, there's only about 60% of those kids that will continue on in a connection with the church, but very few of them will become regular worshipers and strongly committed to the church. Many will just be nominal. I mean, if it wasn't important to dad, it's not likely to be as important to them. But on the other hand, if a father is faithful in his attendance and mom and dad both go to church and are committed and active in that, then around 80% of their children will become regular worshipers too. And they likewise will be committed to the church. It's not a guarantee. Every child has to make their own decision on that. But it is a great encouragement and example. When I think about that with our sons growing up in this church, I am so grateful for the men in our church who were examples to our sons so that it wasn't just dad who was saying that we should follow Jesus and we should do this. But it was your example too that also encouraged them. 
And I'm thankful for all of you that were Sunday school teachers and student ministry leaders or those who worked with them in Awana or Cubbies or those different ministries that we have in the church. Uh, Camp experience, retreats and conferences, all of those things were an encouragement to them to walk with God. And we need that. We need to encourage our children in those areas to take those steps of faith for themselves. And as we're going to see in one of our ABF classes in January, as grandparents, we also have an opportunity to pray for and teach and influence our children in their relationship with God. When we look at this story, we also see how Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And we see that in verses 47, 48, where again, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. In verse 52, that talked about how Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus in his humanity went through the normal course of human development from an infant to a child to a youth to an adult. And he went through all those stages as well. And his knowledge grew. He grew in wisdom, learning the scriptures. He heard it. He memorized the word of God. And he hid it in his heart. He grew in stature. His physical development would be just like that of any other boy. He grew in favor with both God and men in terms of his character, his honesty, his reputation, the way that he related to others. It influenced everything that he did. He was respectful and obedient. And in this story of his time with the teachers in the temple, he showed exceptional understanding. I mean, they were amazed at his answers. Jesus wasn't just asking questions, he was also answering questions. And we can only wonder what it was like to have a mind and a body that was free from sin. I mean, I think about that with Jesus. And to have a body and a mind that is wholly devoted to God. And and where there is no sin that he has committed. There's nothing that is hindering his relationship with him. He is the one who has the Holy Spirit in fullness, in full measure dwelling in him. And that had to be part of what we see here. This story also highlights the importance of religious instruction. Some churches have a confirmation or a catechism class. We have a Bible instruction class for students who are in those middle school years. But religious instruction starts way before that. It starts with our preschool, or it starts with those who work with our children in Cubbies or Awana, in Sunday school, in our ministries to our youth as they grow older, helping them to make their faith their own, to wrestle with the questions and challenges of life and to see how important it is that we walk with God and we're established in our own quiet time and devotional life and prayer life. And again, as we do that, it starts in our home. And that influence that we have when we read uh, to our children from the Scriptures is so important praying together at meals or at bedtime or having those family devotions where we come together and we talk about the scriptures is just vital. 
When we teach our children about God, starting in those younger ages, they grow up with this understanding that God loves them, he cares about them, that they can look to him in prayer at any time too. And I love to hear the prayers of our children when they pray. And now Gail and I are in that next stage of grandparenting where I love to see our grandchildren going to church, learning about Jesus, and falling in love with him. You know, there's a story that is told about D.L. Moody on a visit he made once to Scotland. D.L. Moody was the well-known American evangelist and pastor in Chicago, and he made this trip to Scotland. And one day he was addressing a group of young people there, and he asked them to tell him, what is prayer? How do you understand prayer, and what is prayer? Well, much to his amazement, hands shot up all over this room. I mean, he was kind of thinking he would get some, maybe some incorrect answers or understanding, and then he could use that as a way to launch into this subject. But here he had all these eager students ready to answer the question. So he called on one young man, and Moody could hardly believe the answer that he gave. He called on this young man who rose to his feet and said, Mr. Moody, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Wow. There's some depth to that answer. And Moody then realized what had happened. He had asked one of the questions that was in the Westminster Shorter Catechism a catechism that every student in Scotland was to memorize. And he told that boy, he said, thank God that you were born in Scotland. It was important for those students to learn the Word of God. It's one of the reasons that the Sunday School movement was launched in our country to teach children the Scriptures and especially to bring in children who were growing up in homes where they had never heard the Scriptures. Bring them in. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them how much He loves them and help them to come into a personal relationship with Him. That was Moody's heart. And I think back for me as a child uh, growing up in a Lutheran church, I memorized Luther's Shorter Catechism. I did that in fourth grade. I remember we worked through the commandments, we worked through the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, and I memorized what Luther had written about those things in these phrases, we are to fear and love God so that, still ring in my mind when I think about those commands. What was interesting in God's providence for me was that that year as we studied the commandments and I saw how far short I fell in terms of my relationship with God. That next summer was when a friend of mine invited me to a Bible camp that was run by the Evangelical Covenant Church. And that summer, I heard the gospel clearly shared. And that's when I made that commitment to Christ as a 10-year-old boy. God was at work. And that instruction was laying a foundation that would bear fruit in the years ahead. Parents, teach your children the scriptures. Help them to memorize God's word and to understand what it means. Teach them the Lord's Prayer. Teach them the commandments. 
and ground them in their faith. And thirdly, what we see here is that Jesus understood his unique relationship to the Father. And we see that in verses 48 to 51. We look at him, and when Mary and Joseph found him, they were anxious when they couldn't find Jesus, just like you and I would be if we couldn't find our son or daughter. And Jesus' answer to them was amazing. He was missing, but he was never lost. He had remained behind, and he asked them this question. He said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? His question to them really is is, uh, written in this way for emphasis, to emphasize how important it was that he had to be in his father's presence and in his father's house. What we see in Luke's gospel is that Luke also does this again with the angels who came to the women that resurrection morning. When the women came to the tomb looking for Jesus, the angels use the same kind of two-part format in terms of how Luke writes it to ask them the question, first of all, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? It is that same format, asking one question that should be obvious. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Why were you looking for the body of Jesus at the tomb? Didn't you know that he would rise from the dead? Don't you remember what he told you? while he was still with you in Galilee. You see, Mary and Joseph, in spite of all that they had been told about Jesus as the Son of God, I mean, you go back to the stories we have just looked at where the angel appeared to Mary and told her who this child would be, that this would be the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah. The angel appeared to Joseph. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. They had heard it. It was in their minds. And yet Mary and Joseph, in spite of all that they had been told, still wondered. It reveals the awesome mystery of the incarnation. But Jesus knew, even from an early age, that he was the Son of God and that he had this unique relationship to the Father. I look at this and I think how we are like Mary and Joseph. We're like the women who went to the tomb on that resurrection morning. We hear God speak to us, and there are those times in our life where we have seen God act and answer prayer, and we're like, you know, I get it. I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to trust God. You know, and we've seen that. And then what happens? We go on, and in time, a new challenge comes up. And we may wrestle with it, or we may wonder, what's God going to do? Is he going to come through? Is he going to answer prayer? We need to be reminded time and time again. We believe, and we have doubts. We understand in part, but not fully. How could we? God is so much greater than our limited human understanding. 
And that's why we need to go to church. It is why we need to read and study the scriptures. It's why we need our daily devotional time. It's why we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because we forget. We are needy people. And we need to be reminded of the truth of God's word daily. So what do we learn about Jesus from this story? Well, we see both his humanity and his divinity. That he grew just as we do, from a child to an adult. He learned, he studied the scripture, he memorized God's word. But he had a relationship with God like no one else because he is God's son. And all the fullness of the deity dwells in him. He is God. And because of that, his knowledge, his self-awareness stands out in such an amazing way. There is no one else like him. But on the other side, this passage is also an encouragement to us in our parenting and in our grandparenting. And we see how a godly home is such a powerful influence in a child's life, even for Jesus. And we see the importance it is for us to teach our children the scriptures to read to them, to pray with them and for them, to bring them to church and to set an example in our own faith in the areas of giving and serving, in our fellowship and our worship, that our children can see in us the reality of Jesus and the importance of walking with him each and every day. So as we start a new year, This is a good time to kind of evaluate that or talk about that as a family. And are you putting first things first in your personal life, in your family life? Is there something more that you could be doing in this year to grow closer to Jesus and to make 2017 the best year yet? Let's pray. Father, we stand in awe of Jesus. And what a beautiful story this is of his love for you is understanding his glory is divinity and we identify with mary and joseph we would feel anxious and worried if we were like them and just like mary and joseph would grow in their understanding of jesus as he grew so our understanding of you continues to grow help us this year to, uh, to put you first in our life, in our homes. Help us to be people who love your word and study it and dwell in it. Help us to be a people of prayer who look to you daily. And help us, Lord, to encourage one another in our relationship with Christ, that together we might grow and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen.